the new Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson, providing key insights to the most important stories affecting the Black community. Here's your host, Nate Wilson. Welcome to the new Black Society podcast, episode number five. Uh, I have a very, very, very special guest with me today, straight out of Chicago, David Jones. Uh, David is a technologist, inventor, and serial entrepreneur. He is the founder of Light Engine Labs, an end-to-end software development agency. He's led the firm to $2 million in revenue in its first year with no outside funding. David holds a BFA from the Juilliard School and an MBA from MIT. He is currently leading the firm to launch a clean energy division and wants to be the world's first black-owned virtual power plant, which aims to power one billion households globally. My man, David Jones, welcome to the podcast. How are you tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, despite all of the uh, setbacks and all of the unforeseen consequences that have erupted from the pandemic, I I can definitely say I'm living my best life right now. I hear that. I hear that. So you just, I mean, you just heard me read your bio. It's it's very clear to me that you're a Renaissance man. Uh, (laughs) And it seems to be like Renaissance men seem to come from Chicago. Uh, I had a podcast a couple episodes ago with uh, Donald Spann, and he is a multi-million dollar entrepreneur. What is it about Chicago that seems to uh, produce these Renaissance men? Well, I I think that a lot of it stems from the high level of adversity here. This is is a a form of opposition and a form of friction that simply doesn't exist in other geographic uh, locations around the United States. There's a sense of camaraderie that exists even where you are on the East Coast as well as the West Coast, and let's not Let's not forget the South, but here it's so hard to do anything because no one helps each other. And furthermore, because no one helps each other, it's, there's also this sort of, not to articulate, like too many, there's not an, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 So everyone wants to be in charge and everyone wants to have, um, control and ownership of everything. But I guess the philosophy that I've had since I've been an entrepreneur for the past 15 years is I'd rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Right. Very, very smart. Very, very smart. So when you say nobody helps each other, are we talking about like in, in terms of a racial divide? Or are we talking about within the black community? Nobody seems to want to support uh, black business or, or just a coming together? Yes, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> all of the so, above. I mean, wow. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of deep seated uh, hatred, and it, it it unfortunately stems from the black community. We don't support each other, and I wouldn't expect many of the other races here to support black businesses. So, you know that that's obviously a, a humongous factor, especially when it comes to being able to scale, being able to. Uh, gain uh, gain traction and awareness for your business, but more importantly, with within our community, no one really wants to help each other. So we we have these sort of uh, dynamics that exist where everyone wants to start a new company now. I, I don't know. There's been a lot of trending. I guess when like Nicki Minaj and and some of the other uh, uh, famous like black pop stars got famous, what ended up happening is they they created this this narrative of like the black CEO, not mm. realizing that there, it, I mean, I don't, I think that it was really just kind of meant to be some sort of a, a gimmick as opposed to some sort of an actionable step or, or a, a means of empowerment, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, that, makes, that makes total sense, yeah. Yeah, so, so what we're dealing with now, and I mean, my business is a great example, um, you know, we, we put things out there and unfortunately in our community, we we have a tendency to to stick to one or two verticals and usually those verticals are are what food and music right yeah but for me i i've always kind of gone against the grain of what society has mandated so my business is now 
if and I, this might have changed, so I, I could be wrong, but we are the number one black owned software development company in Illinois at the moment. And wow. it's it was definitely there was a lot of luck involved. I, I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend like this was all just hard work and grit because I mean there's luck always plays a factor. But specifically with what we've built, I felt that I have not had the express uh, support of our community and more so it's been outsiders that have helped us helped me and helped my my teammates to kind of ascend to this level and unfortunately more times oftentimes than not what ends up happening is the exact same story plays out over and over and over and many of the uh, people within our community unfortunately don't have a business background so you know i think that the uh the survivability rate of like of of an of a startup is something like what ninety percent in the first two years or something. Yeah, and so yeah. as a result, yeah, it's extremely low, and probably even more so now because of the pandemic. So what we're experiencing is a group of people not wanting to help each other and being more prone to helping outsiders. So like, if you need a, I don't know, like toilet tissue or something, and I've met a couple of uh, black-owned uh, toilet tissue manufacturers and uh, well, toiletries as well. Um, they would rather go with Charmin or or with some sort of a household name, and right. that has become a, a humongous detriment to our development as well as our sustainability as a as a, a diaspora. No, I totally agree with that. And, and what you were saying reminded me of a book uh, by Nanny Helen Burroughs. It was written in the early 1900s. And she wrote a small book called 12 Things the Negro Must Do. And I remember reading this book many years ago, and I was so impacted by it, David, that I printed it out and I put it on my wall and I replaced the words the Negro with Nathan for my name, like to, to make sure that I wanted to uh, follow these rules because she had written these rules. There were 12 rules and then she wrote a commentary on it. And I think it's still relevant in 2020 and something that you mentioned food and entertainment being like the general businesses uh that you know black people pursue and i think it was rule number 10 uh in her book and it was the negro must learn how to operate business for people not mm -hmm. for negro people only that's right and negro must learn how to operate businesses in other industries yeah so and I remember her saying, and she said that, you know, you have to remove all typical earmarks, have some business principles, measure up to accepted standards and meet stimulating competition mm -hmm. graciously. And she, I remember these words, she said, you have to learn to welcome competition. That's right. Welcoming competition in, in, in all walks of life. Uh, would you talk about you going against the grain? Uh, listen, there's not too many brothers I know that went to Juilliard and MIT uh when did when was that spark for you when did you know that you know what i'm taking a different road a different pathway was it a specific story or did you just know oh man i, I think that i've always been like this honestly i mean I, i've kind of always been the black sheep of the family as a matter of fact i'm the only uh business owner that i'm aware of out of uh two generations now and you know i've just kind of always been that that outside outside of the box kind of critical thinker, like even one of the earliest stories that I had, because like my childhood dream, I always wanted to be a paleontologist. So uh, my cousin who suffers from diabetes, unfortunately had to take insulin every day. And so uh, at the time, this was like, I think 1993 when uh, Jurassic Park came out. So I was like obsessed with trying to bring dinosaurs back to life. So at the time, like, <laughs> I had a uh, I had an iguana, and I I uh, coerced him into trying to to give me one of his insulin needles so I could take the iguana's blood and implant it in a chicken egg and hopefully get a dinosaur. And this is like this is the mind of a seven year old, you know? <laughs> like wow. there's not very many seven year olds that would do something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little extra, man. And yeah. I did see that Facebook post uh, that you put up about you know what did you want to do. Uh, before life, whatever. And I yeah. can see that you want to be a paleontologist. My answer was an architect. Mm. Uh, but, but to hear that you were like into those type of things 
and then you were able to you you mentioned that you had luck uh talk about the luck that you felt that you received uh growing up in chicago well i mean it's kind of hard to pinpoint these things but you know it's like I guess I was listening to a podcast the other day and uh, the founder of Instagram was on uh, and he was basically explaining that everyone experiences luck. Like, you know, you, you find a dollar on a street or something like that, but it's up to the cognizant person to maximize or capitalize on that moment. And like I said, it, to, to kind of point out a single instance is a little bit difficult for me in my childhood. But I would say most recently, uh, I did a project, and this is what really kind of spearheaded me and, and got that, that uh, and really started to get my business off the ground. It was a, we did a project for a civil rights activist. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jedediah Brown, but he's, yeah. a, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. And so he and his, uh, his company were working on an idea for an app, so they recruited us. And just by happenstance, we got together one day to kind of figure out like what the uh, what the user interface and, and sort of the conceptual uh, nuances of that that app were going to be. And he's like, hey, Dave, I want you to take a ride with me. So what ended up happening is uh, we went to pick up another lady, uh, Africa Porter, who is also a good friend of mine and a, a really influential person in Chicago. I hope you can come in and meet her one day. Um, so she had a meeting with... Um, with the Bud Billiken Parade. Are you familiar with the Bud Billiken Parade? No, that I haven't heard of. What's Bud Billiken? So the Bud Billiken Parade is the largest black uh, parade in the entire world. Oh. And yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a very, very big thing. It happens every single year. It's kind of like a going back to school uh, type event. Um, and basically all of like the black owned businesses and, and sort of the, the corporate sponsors, and you know kids and, and high schools and um like they all kind of get together and they they perform so you have like marching bands you have like uh i don't know all sorts of different types of entertainment or whatever so anyway um what happened is i ended up getting in on on one of those meetings and this was complete luck so i got a chance to meet with the ceo and she was explaining that we that she needed someone to uh do seo or search engine optimization and kind of help to run the site, help to do like social media and that kind of stuff. And yeah. so I said, yeah, we do that. And just by the grace of God and luck, you know, we got that contract. And so we knocked it out the park and I, I kid you not. So we had, we tripled all of their numbers and we made last year the most successful year that they've had in a very, very long time. And so wow. naturally that just springboarded us into all of these other opportunities, but that was sheer luck that that happened. Well, you know what? I look at it, I'm always a big believer in the law of attraction, right? You, you know, yeah. you attract not what you want, but you attract what you are. That's right. And I believe that, you know, what you are and what you have to offer, I think that the universe kind of puts those people in your space to add value to them. And I don't think that you would have met them if, like, you couldn't do the job. Like, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Like, you were ready to knock it out the park and you did. Yeah. And I think that that person needed you. And then in a weird way, you kind of need that person. You guys just kind of came together. So, you yeah, know, I, I really think it's interesting when I hear people talk about, you know, luck. And, you know, I think it's very humble and, and very nice of them to say. Mm -hmm. I think it's just super talented people maximizing on their talent, you know, running into opportunities. And, you know, they say luck is, you know, opportunity being prepared and yeah. then just uh, taking it from there. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned you have a software company. Um, talk about a little bit about, you know, the day-to-day -day and what you do and what does the company offer? Oh, day-to-day um, -day has actually become pretty routine. Like, when we first started, obviously, I had to wear many hats. But now that we are in year two and uh, we're sort of expanding, normally what I'll do is I'll have a, a meeting with my, my team because I now employ 18 people um, all over the world. So whatever projects that we have going on, like right now we have, we have a number of projects that we're working on. Uh, one really big one that I'm excited about is uh, we're, we're, I guess I can't say the name uh, for legal purposes, but it's one of the okay. largest financial technology companies in Africa. And so 
um, mm. what they're doing is providing a, a, a sort of technology enabled um, platform for people to do like loans and so forth. And mm. yeah, it's, it's like a really big thing. So I'm working with, with their team to help to optimize their infrastructure as well as redesign their website and uh, manage their web app. So naturally there's a lot of moving parts with that. Uh, every day, you know, I'll wake up, you know, we'll do team meetings with, you know, projects like that with um, my lead designer or, or whomever I'm working with. And we also do a couple of, uh, we have a couple of ad hoc projects, meaning that I, I've hired outside people to kind of assist. Um, so my, my resources weren't strained. Mm. And, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Then we'll kind of have a, we'll have an outline and um, we'll just go down the, the product roadmap until we reach completion. So, you know, that could consist of me helping out in any aspect or just kind of overseeing. Uh, for instance, with the financial technology project right now, I'm, I'm designing the wireframes for, for the website. But in other wow. instances, I could be doing something completely different. You know, I could just be making sure that, that we're meeting the deadlines or, or that the clients are happy or that uh, my tech consultants are doing their job or, or you know, that uh, the, the code reads okay, you know, for, for software that we've developed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it varies, but it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty foundational. You know, I, I think that we have a pretty good grasp on, on our workflow and, um, and, and project management as well. So I hope so that it's It does, it does. It sounds like the, the common denominator here is IT consulting in a sense and, and, and software development. Yeah, uh, for for large and major companies. I mean, that's that's extraordinarily dope. And of course, we need individuals like you when we build a new black society, which is ultimately what I think. Again, the law of attraction. When you put out you put out a status not too long ago, and it was about a startup uh, black country or or a country or a territory. Now I'm just gonna run through something real quick. I'm just going to let you know like where I'm coming from and what I was doing, which really inspired uh, my website, New Black Society, to begin with, uh, mm -hmm. which was I felt that African Americans need a nation state. Oh, I'm sure. a big believer. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a big believer in that. Uh, can we find liberties? Can we find a sense of the American dream here in America? I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think you're doing it. I think I'm doing it. To some degree. I mean, we, we, we have a, a certain level of success. We're entrepreneurs. You know, we're, we're doing what we're doing. And yet, the cops that killed Breonna Taylor are still out there doing whatever they want to do. That's like, right. And yet, and yet, you see a whole bunch of injustices, discrimination. You see the racism happening each and every single day. We mm -hmm. can run through the history um, if, we, if we want. But we already know that Black Americans are standing at a disadvantage. I'm a big believer of a black nation state, a territory, a land, uh, an area where we have absolute 100% autonomy. We have the ability to govern ourselves, create and influence policy, education, marketing, and, mm -hmm. and industry. Is that something that you're in line with, that you agree that should happen? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess the, the common denominator for for independence is ownership of infrastructure and right. in my opinion until we own our infrastructure until we manage until we have uh, complete like you said autonomy over land over distribution of wealth over education all of the other the uh, societal tenets that govern um, our, our potential nation or, or wherever we're going to live we will always be hopelessly inured and indebted to another race. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, I don't think that it's going to happen on U United States soil immediately. So my goal is to do this abroad. And I can't talk about, I can't disclose the location, obviously. But um, in order for us to be accepted here, we have to have some sort of a some sort of a gambit that we can use in order to be in order to build something up to build up our own society and use that period to 
retrain our people, to re-educate, to empower them, to weaponize them, or whatever the case may be, just like, just like Malcolm X once said, by any means necessary to get to that mm. point. And mm. then and only then will we be able to disseminate that knowledge and that newfound leash on life to other countries that house diasporic people, diasporic people. And that does include America, it includes Europe, it includes parts of Asia, et cetera. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. It makes total sense. And uh, that's exactly what I was getting at. Totally agree uh, with everything that you just said. I want to know, though, like, you know, the first step. Like, I was thinking, you know, there needs to be a complete research company. Like there needs to be, or, or not even a company, or just a nonprofit organization where we have just a team of people researching what that looks like. Because I have spent uh, more hours than I care to admit uh, just looking up uh, all these different mundane things like how does an electrical grid work? You know, most people don't know how yeah. that works. You know what I mean? Like, or how does the water filtration system work? These are a lot of things that I feel like we need to put together. Well, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but um, the the inverse of that is that instead of forming a company that would sort of research all of these things, why not form a unified front? We all, it's not like, it's not like we're all relegated to one position. Every, I mean, the African diaspora in America are among the most powerful in the world. We are our own nation by, uh, GDP standards, as well as by um, certain types of infrastructural standards. So what I mean by that is you see everything that I've built right now, I've built it by myself, you know, um, and I guess we're going to touch on uh, Lumina later, but my philosophy on this is in order for us to really gain traction, we need to, we need to recruit people who are already doing these things. So yeah. when I decided that I was going to create a micronation, the first thing I did was start learning about the core, the core essentials of, of electrical engineering, of, of developing houses, and uh, I mean, just all sorts of different um, verticals and that, that would be instrumental in creating the infrastructural guide to all of this. So you know, now that I've done that, as you see, I, I'm sitting with my solar panel in the background that, that I invented. And, and um, the way that we will do this, it has to be a unified front because you got to understand if we take our time and, you know, we piece things together, it, you know, the enemy's going to infiltrate. They're going to do yeah. that. That's what they do. That's what they're best at. So the best thing to do is to just have a paradigm shift in how we operate. And that paradigm shift to me means that we recruit people or we recruit agencies that will lobby for us and will provide us with the amount of resources or, or to just contact people who are, are currently in the, the necessary industries in order to build out what we need, in order to build out this platform for a micronation or an autonomous state. Mm. No, that, okay. It, yeah, yeah so, that, that that makes a lot of sense. In in I just had to take that in. I had to take that in. I mean, I, you you're making a lot of sense here. Um. So, you talk about you invented something. You invented a solar panel in the. <laughs> I mean, you're quite the inventor. You you mentioned you invented something for Rhymefest. You invented yeah. a drum. Uh, like, how many things have you invented? If I may ask, like. I actually have never thought about that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I, I've okay. done, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. Like, I, I've done kind of uh, low-tech stuff. Like, one of the first cool things that that I invented um, probably a decade ago was uh, was a type of T-shirt, and it had it had uh, symbols on it. And so, like, when you traveled those symbols would indicate that you wanted to do something. So obviously the, the average American only speaks one language, right? So right. it's like, if you go to, I don't know, Brazil and you know you need to communicate in Portuguese, 
you're not going to be able to. And so for many people, especially like in, in disparate areas, you don't have, you don't have like an internet connection. So it's like, what do you do? So because I traveled so much and I, I think that you've probably seen, like I, I've been to 72 countries now um, or some, yeah, 72 countries. Uh, I've been to countries where I don't speak the language. So I needed something to be able to get around without having to ask people for help. Because unfortunately in many tourist places like, you know, Cambodia or Thailand or, um, you know, different parts of Africa or what have you, people will take advantage of you around the world. Like yeah. that's, that's just a given. They will take advantage of your ignorance. And mm. so to avoid that, what I did is I created this shirt. So for instance, like if I, if I wanted to, I don't know, get something to eat, it would be like an icon on the shirt that had a picture of food. And so they would basically point you in the direction where you needed to go, as opposed to like, you know, just going without or, or, or being in a situation like where if you got hurt or something, you know, there was a, a picture of a hospital, like just having those, those types of things on a shirt, it, it just made perfect sense to me. So that's why I invented it. It was out of necessity. Uh, yeah, invention is the mother of necessity. I mean, that's, that's right. for sure. 72 countries. Okay. So first question, what was the first country that you visited outside of the United States? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. And yeah. Okay, so Costa Rica is the first place. What was the scenario? How did you get there? Oh, man. Um, so I think that being part of the African-American community, especially like if you want to do something special with your life or um, or if you're like me who who's a black sheep, what ends up happening is you need to figure out a way to break those generational curses. So. Yeah when I really started becoming successful and, you know, started making money, I knew that I wanted to travel. You know, there's usually someone in your family, or I mean, oftentimes, like, or, or sometimes it's just kind of, it's within you to want to go and, 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 and test, uh, you know, just go see the world, put some miles on your soul as uh, Tony Stark would say. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, um, when I was 24, I believe, uh, I said, well, I've, I want to go to I want to go to a country where my dollar is going to go really far. And so at the time, the uh, Cologne, which is their their currency down there was like, um, how much was it like five thousand to one dollar or something ridiculous like that. Wow. So, yeah. And I mean, I spoke Spanish already, so it was just kind of a win win. And not to mention that's one of the most uh, geo, what is the word? It's uh, the most biologically diverse places on, on earth. So being really? able to like, yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, just the amount of like uh, flora and fauna they have there, the, uh, they have like volcanoes, they have uh, rainforests, like the ocean, like there's just so much stuff to see. So um, I, I bought a ticket, you know, I actually, I made a lot of rookie mistakes. I went down there wearing a suit, which was just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, just like, you know, people are looking at me, I got taken advantage of too, which was this, this is one of the, the reasons why it spurred me on to create that shirt. Um, so, you know, I, I got into my hostel because I don't, I don't like sleeping in hotels. I would prefer to stay in a hostel and, and get to meet locals as opposed to just being enclosed in a box. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, I do. So like I, I arrive at the, the hotel in my, or at the hostel in my nice fancy suit. And the uh, front desk guy is like, so how much did you pay the guy? And I'm like, I told him, and he's like, you paid what? And I'm like, what did I? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I was so, I was so embarrassed. But I'm, I mean, it's like you know, as a first-time traveler, you don't know these things. You don't know what the conversion rate is. You don't know what no. you should be, should and should not be paying. So yeah, he got me for my, for my money. But you know, fool me twice, or fool me once, uh, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or how's it go? Yeah, that's how it goes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I had the time of my life, man. You know, I, I got a chance to stay down there for like two weeks or whatever. Like I was I hiked in the mountains and like I went down to a black sand beach and I went to a really beautiful area called Manuel Antonio, which is like in the rainforest and they have like monkeys and stuff. And, you know, just the people I met and the experiences just unparalleled. And unfortunately for a lot of black people, you know, we don't do those things. We're afraid to step out of our comfort zone. You know, we're right. afraid to go to places like that. So what do we do? We take the safe route. We'll go to Miami 50 times. We'll go to Las Vegas 50 times. We'll maybe, like if we're adventurous, we'll go to Jamaica, like 
you know, the Bahamas or whatever. <laughs> you know, You're but, convicting me, David. You're convicting me. Yeah. You know? No, I hear you. Uh, but but yeah, that's exactly what they do. Uh, and, and please continue. They go to Miami. They go to Vegas. Yes, they go. They might go to Jamaica. Yeah, but you know, for me, it's like there's there's so much out there to see. And I mean, even if I were to travel for like the rest of my life, every single day, I wouldn't even scratch the surface because you know, it's it's like it's one thing to say like, yeah, you've been to Paris or whatever, right? But have you been to every every uh, city in, in in France? No, most people haven't. Have you been to every city that you've, uh, for every country that you've been to? Probably not, you know? And so for me, it's like, I would at least like to, at least like to touch the surface level stuff of everything around the world. Like my goal is to become part of the Century Club. And so the Century Club is a term that was coined that means that you visited a hundred countries or more. My goal is to eventually do all, but I'm getting close to that Century Club mark. And to me, like that, that's, that's just like the highest echelon that my family has ever gone to. You know, I've already retired a couple passports. You know, I, I've been meaning actually to, uh, to frame some of the passports that are just maxed out. They're just full of stamps, you know? And, um, yeah. you know, that's after that experience, I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I'm sold. I need to, I need to continue to do this. And so that's kind of what led me down the road of like getting into the airline industry. Uh, I don't know if I told you, but I was a pilot. So no, uh, I, no, you yeah, did not. yeah, man. I was a pilot. and I was also a flight attendant. I've worked uh, front. I mean, I've worked as a receptionist, or not a receptionist, but a, a gate agent with an airline. Like I've done a lot of stuff within the airline industry. And so you fly you know, planes too? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, is there anything you don't do? That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. But, but, okay, you know, so. Go no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I really want to hear your point because this is interesting. Well, like I said, I mean, in order to, in order to do something, you, you have to figure out a way to make that happen. So, for the average person in America, it doesn't matter what your race is. Chances are you don't have the time, or you don't have the resources to travel the world. So, what is the next best bet? To me, the next best bet is, well, why don't I just get a career or, or take a menial job and still do what I want to do in an airline industry or in, in like, you know, in, in some sort of a, a company that has flight benefits? Are you familiar with what flight benefits are? Uh, of course. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So so every, every job that I've had was more or less uh, to be able to do that. But when I got to uh, becoming a pilot, like that was kind of, that was an intrinsic thing. Like I'd always wanted to do it and um, I, I just want to be able to say that, like, I've, I've, I've flown, you know, that's, that's yeah. kind of been the, the dream of mankind since the dawn of man. And I've accomplished that. That's amazing. And, and I think it, it's in line with uh, what one of my uh, mentees asked me, like, well, how do you get something done? I'm like, well, just create it. Um, and he was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, I wanted to speak to some successful people. So I created a podcast. There you go. Uh, you know, you create an avenue and, and, and make it happen. So, you know, if anybody who listens to this podcast gets that, um, you know, we can create our own world, which is uh, exactly what I think we are kind of coming into. We're starting to realize more and more, David, that, you know, I believe we are transitioned or I think we've fully transitioned out of the information age and we're coming into what is called the conceptual age. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a it's an age uh, where the right brainers are going to really rule because it's the creative side, it's the conceptual side right. uh, of our brains. And yep. I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of change. What do you think that you know African Americans should look out for as we're going into? Obviously, we're halfway through the year, mm -hmm. and what's been a crazy 2020. What do you think is going to happen within the next 10 years, some of the major things we should look out for? Well, I think that we've kind of gotten a microdose of what um, automation is going to bring to the economy. So a lot of the jobs that exist right now are service-based, you know, and unfortunately, most of them are going to dry up. So that's definitely something that we need to start hedging against right now. And I guess to that point, I've, um, I guess we can make it public now. So 
we, my company Lumina, uh, we're about to we're about to launch our own uh, trade school for wow. renewable energy. Um, and I, I guess um, with doing that, it's to it's to help to to keep us or to bring bring people of color and spe specifically black people uh, to the forefront of this new energy race that's about to occur. So as we've seen, you know, seen time and time again, and a great example of how we keep getting left behind is, you know, the cannabis industry, right? Oh. So, so, you know, we've languished in prison, like we've been the, we've been the whipping boy, so to speak, for generations. And all of a sudden now the government's like, okay, well, it's cool, you can sell it. You know, even though we're still in jail, right? So, right. so with that being said, it's like you have, you have uh, other groups that are capitalizing on this. They're the ones making billions of dollars. And yet again, we're the ones with our heads in the mud. So to hedge against this, I said, well, I will create my own closed loop system to be able to educate the masses, to be able to make sure that we provide jobs, we provide education, we provide mentorships for our people in order to stay to stay ahead of the curve, or at least to be on par with the curve. Um, secondly, I think that we need to be cognizant of how artificial intelligence is going to play a role in society. So, are you familiar with the uh, Are you familiar with uh, the singularity? The singularity. No, please yeah. educate. So, the singularity is the next evolutionary leap that mankind is in the process of making. The singularity is the, the marriage between man and machine. So you can, for a kind of watered down term, you could call them like cyborgs, but, okay. um, but a good example is how we've already entered into that is, um, is our cell phones. So our, our cell phones are an extension of us. We are part of singularity now. I mean, this, this little piece of plastic that we hold in our hands, maybe, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever, are, they have made us infinitely smarter. It made us infinitely faster. We can have conversations without ever opening our mouths. They allow us to uh, compute vast numbers, uh, store infinite amounts of data, just all sorts of things, right? But right. the next phase that's going to occur within the next 10 to 20 years is what's called a brain-machine interface. Are you familiar with those? Brain-machine interface. Yes. No, please, inter please, please, please uh, so, educate me. Uh, the the brain-machine interface, or BMI, is a is a is, is a neural device that is implanted in in your skull that will give you, and I, I guess uh, for reference sake, um, it'll give you abilities to to communicate with, uh, with other pieces of technology and that will also make you infinitely smarter and infinitely faster. So you remember in the Matrix, right? Where like Trinity, um, that she was fighting with Neo on a rooftop and she's like, uh, she said, Tank, I need, to, I need you to teach me how to fly a helicopter in 20 seconds, right? Right, 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 right. That's actually about to happen. No. Like this is, this is a real thing, yeah. So uh, one of the initiatives that I've already started working on is, uh, getting a base knowledge in, in neuroscience and in, in neurotechnology so I can create my own. But hmm. uh, companies like, uh, do you know what Neuralink is? I've heard of Neuralink. Yeah, so Neuralink is a company that Elon Musk founded with the, the sole uh, um, ideology of, of kind of accelerating the process of the singularity. So this implant, yeah, yeah. This implant that, he's, that they've been developing, you put it inside of your brain and it allows you to uh, if you want to get like a PhD in something, like in, in astrophysics, let's just say whatever, you'll instantly have that knowledge. You can just upload it, right? <clears throat> Did you upload it into your brain? Into your brain, directly into your brain. I, I'm, mm, I'm still, I'm trying to think of how, like, how that would work. But, well, okay. it's, it basically, this device, it, uh, it, it communicates with your, what part of the brain is it? Don't quote me on this. It's um, it co it it, co it cooperates with your higher brain function. I don't know which region of the brain it is, but what it does okay. is it allows you to instantly uh, upload that information, to store it, replay it back, and for it to be part of your consciousness. On top oh. of that, on top of that, because you're you're asking about the next ten years, but uh, probably in the next uh, twenty to thirty years. 
we will be able to transfer our consciousness. And that's going to be amazing. So take this, Nathan, mm. take this idea. Like I'm you die, right? You die, but mm. you will be able to transfer your consciousness into another body, like a, 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 a synthetic body, like a, a robot, or you will mm. be able to transfer it into the cloud. So you technically will become immortal. That's happening right now. And what? Yeah. This this is uh this is deeper than what I thought it would be. Um, okay. <laughs> oh man, so you can you can somehow take your consciousness yes. and insert it into a chip or you could take or the it cloud. Bring it or the cloud. Yes. That's fascinating. Yeah, and then uh, put but, it I into mean, like a cyborg. There's a movie yeah. I, with Bruce Willis. I forget the the Bruce, I, Bruce Willis was in that, and um, oh man, it sounds like something like that. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of different types of movies. Like, um, yeah. uh, there's a there's a show on Netflix actually called uh, what is the name of this show called? Um, Alter Carbon. So Alter Carbon. Oh, you know what? Exactly that. <laughs> That's the, you know what, people have told me, Nate, watch Altered Carbon, watch it, watch it, watch it. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll get around to it. Now, yeah. you've mentioned it, now I think that's the final straw that, you know, broke the camel's back. I want to watch that. Surrogates is the movie that I was thinking of. Uh, yep, Surrogates, right? Yeah. Did you ever watch that one? Yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds like that. Just mm -hmm. that's fascinating stuff. Like, yeah. Like, I, it, it's, it's border, aren't you a little bit scared or, or, are you oh, I'm terrified. I'm okay. definitely terrified. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but on, on the same token, because I am a technologist, it's my job to understand uh, the the waves of society and, and to sort of be ahead of that and to help to architect it. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of foresight, but from an evolutionary standpoint, this is where we are. Right now, you and I, Nathan, are on the precipice of getting into the next level of mankind. So we've gone from being a single-celled organism to a primate to modern man, which is what we are right now, homo sapien, and now we're going to become part of the singularity where we become some Latin term. I don't even, I'm not sure what the term is going to be. Something like, uh, you know, homo sapien cyborgus, for instance, right? Mm. And what that is going to be is the next level of humanity. So what that's eventually going to turn into is the the ability for us to live eternally so if you can transfer your consciousness that means that spacefaring civilization uh, will become possible it means that eventually we won't we will eventually lose the necessity to feed ourselves so we won't have to eat anything anymore we won't have to use language anymore or at least spoken language we will be able to communicate instantly there are so many amazing aspects of this so I mean, to answer your question, like, yeah, I'm terrified, but on the same token, I'm, I'm beyond amazed by what's about to happen. And more so that I'm helping to bring these changes about. So, yeah, I mean, and you're a part of, you're a part of the, I guess, technological revolution. Yes. And, and listen, we could talk about, we were terrified of what a phone could do mm -hmm. maybe 20 years ago. I, I had no idea that, you know, I'd be able to have, uh, a Zoom, a recorded to the cloud call uh, with somebody in Chicago, and I could see them, mm -hmm. you know, speaking to me about technology. I mean, technology is moving so quickly, and it leaves me with this question. You mentioned you've been to 72 countries. You've mm -hmm. been to a few countries in Africa, I'm pretty sure, yeah. on the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. Talk to, like, for people who haven't been there or for people who haven't, you know, had the, the opportunity to live there or see what's going on. Uh, what can you tell us about where things are headed uh, in some of the countries, some of the cities over there? Are things developing um, in, in Africa? And what's the future look like? So, you know, I, I think that it's important for us to start adopting a new mindset when it comes to Africa. Mm. It, it seems like it seems like what's happening, especially uh, with, with Black people, is we constantly refer to an entire continent instead right. of specific countries, you know? We gotta drop yeah. that, man. We gotta change that narrative. So, I mean, 
it's it's kind of it's difficult to differentiate uh, all of the different aspects of one country compared to the next because it's it's completely different, you know. So yeah. I've been to all four all four corners of Africa. You know what's happening right now in Morocco is completely different than what's happening in South Africa. You know, sure. they're all on completely different trajectories. You know, they have different forms of leadership. They have different cultural values. So naturally, all of this kind of takes it, it, it plays a vital role in the development of their society. But what I will say is, in Eastern Africa, in Rwanda, and in Kenya, you have a technological revolution that's occurring. And so this technological revolution uh, is basically trying to cement one of these countries as the next Silicon Valley. And as I as and I've been on a lot of podcasts, uh, kind of discussing this. I've I've uh, got a chance to witness um, some of these these innovations that have occurred in Kenya. I haven't been to Rwanda yet, but it's it's amazing stuff. So I, I can't really I can't break that down unless you give me a more uh, specific question, if that makes sense. Sure. No, it makes total sense. You're right, and 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 I should uh, amend my question. Africa is certainly not an amorphous substance. It is yes. not just one country that we can sit there and talk about. Several countries can fit inside of just one side of Africa. People forget how large of a continent it is. Um, mm -hmm. Easily over a billion people living there. Um, yeah. Specifically, let's talk about uh, West Africa. Let's talk about the Ghana, mm -hmm. the Nigerias mm -hmm. of the world, Sierra Leone, and and, and uh, let's say Liberia. Uh, as yeah. for an example, the West side specifically, mm -hmm. you know, What's going on there? What have you seen technological wise? Okay, so I, I have a great I have a great couple of stories for that. So I've actually been to Accra. Um okay. and with my with my company Lumina, what we're working on right now is is creating um a solar infrastructure. And so you have a lot of um you have the uh, repatriation act number one. That's really, really important stuff. So with the repatriation yeah. act, have you heard of it? I have heard of that. Do you have some insight? Like, are they really saying we can, you know, African-Americans can come over there and, you know, have land and, and authority and autonomy and participation in the economy? That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. So basically you go over there um, and I'm, obviously there's a bunch of caveats to that, but you go through, right. you go through like a battery of tests, you take your citizenship and then you become a naturalized citizen in Ghana and a couple of other places that are adopting the same sort of uh, revolution. And so what that's going to mean technologically is naturally we're bringing our tax dollars, we're bringing our ideas, we're bringing our business, businesses, you know, we're bringing all sorts of things. And uh, that's what's going to create a quantum shift in how, in how their civilization uh, is able to grow exponentially. Now, the, the biggest story and maybe a little it might be a little bit premature for me to talk about this so i won't use names but um in senegal i'm sure you've heard about what akon is doing right yes uh, i'm very well aware yes so akon has launched akon city and so akon right. city is going to be a smart micronation so to speak and it's going to be the 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 currency is going to be his own cryptocurrency which is what i wanted to get into earlier so he created something called Acoin, right? Yeah. And Acoin is going to, it's going to be on par with like Bitcoin and all of these other uh, crypto platforms that are out there. Um, so what that means for the rest of the world is because of their strategic location and because of the amount of inertia that is, has come from, from uh, a lot of these, these uh, new tech startups that are coming out of places like Nigeria, which is a humongous place. It's a humongous mecca for, uh, for, for tech, start, uh, tech startups. You, you have all of these, these things kind of uh, collecting in one area. And I'm really excited to go over there and to check out uh, Akon City in the next couple of years. So what I wanted to say is we're actually working with uh, one of the environmental engineers who helped to make that that uh, that project possible, and in the future, with my virtual power plant, uh, we intend to uh, to capitalize on a lot of Western African um, uh, 
countries as well as to establish an infrastructure in sub-Saharan Africa. Did you did you get a chance to check out uh, Lumina at all? Because this kind of ways this this uh, plays into the the next uh, talking point. Did you check I it out? I did. Or yes, I did, and and I really wanted to ask you um, about it in the most elementary fashion because I was trying to wrap my mind around what a virtual power plant looks like. I know what a power plant looks like, mm -hmm. but a virtual power plant is something that is very difficult for me to envision. So please take it away. I, I'm really interested to hear what you're working on. Sure. So if you can think of, if you think of areas of the world, let's just, let's just say cities, right? Or no, let's take, let's break that down to even a micro, to a microcosm. Let's say every neighborhood, and I'm assuming, you said you've been to Chicago, right? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, so if you were to take the various neighborhoods around Chicago and you fit the you fit a number of households with uh, with solar panels with um, you know wind turbines and other forms of renewable energy right mm -hmm. that allows you that allows those neighborhoods to collect energy and to uh, be sustainable and to hopefully uh, rid themselves of a grid right Right. But a virtual power plant is when you introduce technology into that mix, when you introduce software into that mix. So, oh. right now, but hold on, hold on. So this, uh, this panel here, can you see this? Do you see what I'm pointing at? Yes. Okay. So this particular solar panel, it has a microprocessor in it. What that does is it connects to the IoT. Are you familiar with the IoT? What's the IoT? No. I don't know. So the I the IoT is the Internet of Things. It's basically any device. Oh, right. that, yeah. Anything yeah, that connects sorry. to the Internet. So mm -hmm. a virtual power plant is basically uh, a renewable energy array that can be monitored and governed by a piece of technology, by a piece of software. So I also invented an app that is customer facing that allows whomever is the owner of a household or uh, just has access to uh, maybe even you know standalone solar farm to be able to monitor their analytics to be able to sell that power back into the grid, etc. That's what a virtual power mm. plant is. Got you. So I was thinking like a whole bunch of servers and things like that. Well, I mean, it's uh, part of it. Yeah, yeah, but that, but it seems like it's a little bit more complex. Yeah, uh, so, I understand that. Okay, so you build that in a physical space. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes yeah. much more sense. And I'm thinking that, that it's like it's something that's like in the cloud. But now, all right, now that's making more sense. Yeah. So uh, there's a there's a tertiary layer to to a virtual power plant, which is uh, cybersecurity. Because as I'd mentioned, you also have the ability when you use our app or when you use another virtual power plant network to be able to sell that energy back into a grid. And okay. so. So, for instance, like if you're the average household, um, I mean, it, it of course depends on where you live. So you generate X amount of power per day. And let's just say you're able to power your home, but you still have excess, right? Like, what do you do with that excess? You can either right. store it in a battery storage system or if you're connected to a grid, you sell it back and you will get either a tax credit or depending on where you live, you will actually become an energy provider. Hmm. So in order to do that, you need to make sure that there's no fallacies or that there's no uh, security issues. And so that tertiary layer to all of that is you have a cybersecurity system that ensures the overall protection of that network. Got it. Yeah. And so, 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 that, that. so you built this from scratch? Yes. Man, we need to protect you at all costs, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> at all costs. How long have you been doing this? Oh, um, it's probably been about two years since the since the uh, in, um, introduction to all of this. Yeah, about two years. And and did you go for seed fundings or you know Series A? Or did you just no. kind of do this from scratch? You did just did this I, from scratch from your own bank. Yeah, I paid for everything myself. But as I said, now that we've kind of, we're getting to that next layer, 
that next level rather, uh, we probably will be going after uh, outside funding, but I've been able to bankroll this myself. So because I own a software company, this is second nature for me. I, I do this for a living anyway, you know, because, right, right. because I, I was able to uh, get um, energy, uh, clean energy certi certification, I understand how electrical engineering works. So all I did was just, uh, you know, tool around and, and kind of figure out how to architect this system. And so uh, back in October of 2019, we actually went live. We, um, we launched at the Google headquarters. Did you see that? I did not see that you launched at Google headquarters. That's in, in, uh, in, in Cali, you went to. In, there's actually one here in Chicago. There's a, oh, there's a Google, there's a Google in Chicago. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to show you a screen. I'm going to show you the, uh, the app itself so you can kind of get an understanding of what it looks like. Okay. <clears throat> but the idea behind it, like I said, is it's a client facing app that allows you to, to monitor, um, what your energy usage is and you know to see there's also a, a solar meter on there there's a bunch of stuff i don't can you see that i can yeah, yeah yes yeah. So this is the app lumina optimal efficiency yeah so there's a there's a sensor in there that will actually tell you how how well your uh, solar array is, is uh functioning and so yeah it's pretty cool stuff yeah it, it's definitely cool stuff so somewhere there will be somebody listening to this podcast and they say, you know, David, I want to, you know, I want to think bold. I want to do something big. I want to start a business. Uh, I want to, you know, do something that's not in food, not in entertainment. You know, are there any books I should read? Is there anything that I should shift in my thinking? What philosophies can I use? Who would you tell them? I mean, that's, that's a pretty vague question. That's actually a lot of, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, but I would say, uh, first and foremost, to follow your passion, because, you know, there's plenty of money to be made. But if you're miserable, you're not going to be the best as you can be, right? Uh, secondly, is to find an industry that has room for improvement. So I chose an industry that is treading on virgin territory. You know, virtual power plant systems are only, what, five years old or whatever? You know, right. most people don't know about it. And, and as a result, that has kind of made me a big fish in a little pond. You know, I'm actually the, my company is the only Black-owned virtual power plant network in America right now. The only one. Wow. Yeah. And so, so I, I guess what I'm saying is to choose an industry that has tremendous growth opportunity and then align yourself with people that can help you to to sort of refine what what your goals are going to look like and that way you will be able to create a roadmap to say well you know i want to i want to help to pioneer i don't know data mining or or I can't find the network something section. like that yeah you know what i mean try again. did you hear that yeah i did okay what was that uh, I don't know. I think it was uh, one of my devices. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that would be my advice. You know, uh, number one, choose something you love. Number two, find an, in, an industry with tremendous growth opportunity that's not going to collapse, like I said, uh, as a result of COVID or, or automation. And then three, to surround yourself with people that can help you to achieve those goals. Well, I have to tell you, like, I, I always say if you're, you know, you always want to be in a room where you're not the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. That That's always been my mantra. I've certainly achieved that on this podcast tonight because uh, it's always fun for me to uh, actually speak to somebody where a few of the subjects go over my head. It gives me something to research and look up at night. So uh, thank you so much for giving me something to catch up on and uh, I'm going to have to read some books. Uh, there's a couple terms I have to look up. So next time I speak to you, I'll know exactly what the heck it is you are talking about, man, because <laughs> you are a renaissance man. I so much appreciate you being on the New Black Society podcast. Uh, I'm definitely going to talk to you offline. Uh, yeah, for sure. There's a whole bunch of things, and I can't wait to meet up with you in Chicago and go to, what's the name of the parade again? The Bud Billiken Parade. The Bud Billiken Parade. 
Yes. Man, listen, when this COVID thing is over, uh, I will be there. That is for sure, man. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, of course. Man, Dave, thank you so much, man, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me, Nate. Thanks for listening to the New Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson. You can subscribe to this podcast on any platform podcast play. See you next time.